Hello and welcome to episode six of the Talking Talkie podcast. I'm Ben Coey and tonight I'm joined by Sam Jureff. Good evening. And Marcus Arscott. Good evening. Hello. How we, how we doing, boys? Not too bad. Um, bit of a shame there was no football at the weekend, but uh, yeah, all in all, all right. I think football-wise, I put myself down as slightly disgruntled. Why is that? Well, recent results. As uh, Sam alluded to, we were meant to play Woking on Saturday, and so this podcast would normally be reacting to that, but it got postponed on the Friday. What were our thoughts about that? Um, I, I'm glad they did the inspection early, rather, because at three o'clock on a Friday, the team might not have even travelled at that point. So, um, or if they have, they wouldn't have got far. So it saved kind of doing the whole trip and it being called off on the day. Um and look, to be honest, I think it could potentially be a blessing in disguise. You know, we don't we don't have a lot of fit players at the moment. If if a kind of extra week off, and obviously no Tuesday game this week, if a week off kind of give you know buys us back a couple of players, if you like, puts in a much better position for Halifax. Yeah, I think you're right, and in particular Ben Winter. If if we if Ben Winter needed a few more days just to to get right and ready. I don't know if he was due back on Saturday or not, but um, if that gives him a bit of extra time to get up and fire, and then yeah, fantastic. I, I wasn't disappointed at all, and I wasn't particularly surprised either. Looking at the weather, it was minus five um, in the week leading up to it, wasn't it? So yeah, not surprising, and as Sam said, probably a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I'd go along with that, and hopefully uh, we might better go there in April or May um, and do our normal thing in April and score a last-minute goal there, and hopefully be there to watch it. Let's hope so. So, in this episode, we're going to finish off our review of the season so far. And on our last review, we got as far as the 0 0 draw at Kings Lynn. And so, in the middle of December, we had a home game on a Tuesday night against Dagenham and Redbridge, which unfortunately we lost 1 0 in uh, pretty disappointing circumstances, I'd say. Uh, because Dagenham had a man sent off for half-time and then held on to their 1-0 one, one lead all the way through the second half. Yeah, that was a funny old game, wasn't it? It was, um, you know, obviously Paul McCallum, ex-Torquay, scored the goal, um, of course. Yeah, I thought Dagenham were brilliant. They um, smashed and grab win, got a goal on the break from McCallum. Um, we, we could have played that game for about four hours afterwards and we still wouldn't have scored, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every player of theirs behind the ball they defended brilliantly even with 10 men and I I think they're a really good value for the win I don't think we played badly I just think they were far better I think I think we played frustratingly uh, that was the game that had uh, Matt Buse at right back if I'm not mistaken is that right yeah um, and it's not fair to judge him on that because that's not where he plays but you know he had a bit of a shocker um, Paul McCallum is a very good striker he's been at national league level for a while I think a few Torquay fans were looking at him last season when he became available. I, I can't remember. What team did he play for? He scored like 26 goals in a season. Solihull? I think, uh, I think it was someone else as well. He was, um, he was at Solihull and he went to Barnet at the end of last season <clears throat> um, when they kind of threw oh, yeah, a bit of money right. at it. Um, but, but yeah, you, so you, it, a, a lot of people were quite surprised when he went to uh, Sol- Solihull. Sorry, went to, went to Barnet from Solihull. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, you could see, you know, why he was quality. I think we had um, what was a Cameron on the left back and Warren and Kerr in the middle, 
And, I mean, he was running them ragged all night. Um, defensively, we weren't great. I think we had a, a shot cleared off the line as well. They had a shot cleared off the line. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fairly poor display, a fairly drab game. And, and like Drew said, we were never going to score. It just wasn't going to happen. It was just one of those nights. Yeah, I think the chances we did create weren't really guilt-edged chances. I think a lot of it, I remember one um, section uh, in the second half, but Bill just danced down the left wing about three times in five minutes, put three crosses into the box and none of them, you know, found a man or, or they didn't get the finishing touch. It wasn't as if we were just constantly making their keeper make save after save. It was just not quite finishing touch. It just wasn't falling for us. And as, as Drew said earlier, I think we could have been playing that game for another four hours and we wouldn't, wouldn't have won. Yeah. The one thing that I did take from that game that was positive is Armani came back from another injury. Um, he he came on for the kind of last 10, 15 minutes and he he was brilliant. He he really drove the team forward and playing those kind of really direct passes that he does. And uh, mm. it kind of made... <laughs> One of those, if he was fit and started, I think we probably would have got a bit more from the game. It was just, but it was kind of nice to see him back again. We were without Asa Hall that game as well. I don't know if you remember, he was suspended, mm. um, which which didn't, I mean, our, our lineup was very kind of, you know, second rate in a way. There, there was lots of square pegs and round holes. And obviously any game that we start without Asa Hall, it, we're not going to be a tight formation. We're not going to be tight defensively. So it, it was always going to be a bit of a struggle and it was. I think the disappointing thing is that Dagenham haven't really kicked on from there. They're still low down the table. So for me, it feels just like end of the season, if we miss out on promotion or top by a few points, I think that's one of the games where I'll really pinpoint drop points and drop points that really, really we shouldn't have dropped. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, we had the chance to bounce back the following Saturday um, against Chesham in the FA Trophy. And normally the trophy is a competition where I would say just bin it off. But I think that that game actually came at a good time for us as we had a full week afterwards until our next league match. So it probably gave us a chance to try and bounce back from the Dagenham match and give a few of the um, bench players, fringe players, a bit of a run out. And uh, it was uh, Josh Umara who uh, who got the winning goal in a one 0 win. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I've 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 kind of made my feelings on the trophy very clear this season. But at times like that, they're not. It's not the worst thing in the world, is it? It gives gives players a run out. It's a good chance to kind of bounce back from a bad game. So yeah, no, bang on the money. Yeah. I've got a few notes from that game. In that this was uh, D Moxie came back for this one, which was obviously it's always a welcome sight. He's been kind of in and out. Which was always expected, to be honest. Um, yeah, Josh Mirra's goal was a was a free header, wasn't it, from a free kick? I think it was. It might have been Little that took that, and um, and the stream was hilariously bad. I don't know if you remember that they had um, technical problems in the first half, and they eventually moved it to YouTube, and then had some funny text overlay for a bit. There's your stream watch for the week, but it yeah. Bless awesome. them. I think I think it was the first time they did a stream, and, and considering they did they did quite well, but a few fans weren't happy. That was the stream where the camera was misted up, so it looked like players were playing in a fog. Yeah. And then at half time, he'd wipe the lens, and it was absolutely clear, and it was just glorious sunshine there. Yeah, oh, I mean, but when they put it free on YouTube, you know, it was obviously well, who wouldn't? So, it's all yeah, more. I, 
I think they're technical problems. They handled it well. It's not the best £10 I've ever spent, but, you know, fine. Uh, and then after that, it was return to league action on Boxing Day and the big one at home to Yeovil. Now, on Boxing Day last year, we all went to Hewitt Park. Uh, two of you got soaked. I was sensible and sat in the stand with a roof over my head so it didn't get wet. And mm. uh, so even though I was disappointed to watch my team get battered 6-2, I was still quite dry. So... I actually felt like I enjoyed the, the game and the day out a little bit more than you did. But anyway, uh, that, that, <laughs> um, uh, we went one better and thrashed you over 6-1 and it was glorious. It was fantastic. It was uh, one of the most complete performances I've seen of the Torquay side. I think the only downside is conceding against them. But, uh, you know, it was one of those games where every good player was better than they usually are, if that makes any kind of sense. So Ben Whitfield, Danny Wright, Armani Little, Aaron Demain, those kind of attacking outlets were just phenomenal. I thought they were, it was one of the best team performances I've seen in, in years. Yeah, uh, again, I've got a few notes from that one. Do you remember, um, obviously we're in a, in a WhatsApp group chat and I was stood in the away end what, and I was obviously behind where Yeovil were warming up. Do you remember my text about their keeper? No, uh, you said he was a complete clown and he was going to throw a couple in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in the warm-up, he was hilariously bad. He, he couldn't get down fast enough. And I, I think I texted you, said, right, if we shoot low, we're scoring a few today. And how was that for a bit of forecasting? That you can watch a shit goalkeeper be shit and then predict he's going to be shit. Well, yeah, I, I, I think you've got it in you to be an analyst, mate. Honestly, that's that specialist, I think. Yeah. I think it, it was kind of a theme throughout the afternoon that the keeper was hilariously shit. I mean, if you remember the fourth goal, um, Aaron Nemain, do you remember that one when it, it bounced near the goal line? Keeper had assumed it had gone out and Nemain comes out of nowhere and, and pokes it in. I mean, that's as far as keeper howlers go, that's that's the howlest of all howlers. Yeah, I thought Yeovil were poor. Um, you know, Joe Quigley didn't, didn't do much. He had one effort, just go wide. Um, and then I think the thing I was most impressed with was keeping Albie Skendy quiet because he was... Uh, he was their best player last season for me um, in the two games. So, yeah, I, I get, get keeping him quiet was, was probably the biggest thing in terms of stopping them. Um, you know, obviously they they lost a few players. They that is it Miles Hippolyte they had on the wing who was very good. He went to Scunthorpe, I think, um, and because uh, Courtney Duffus went just before, or just after as well. So, they you know they're really lacking. The, the quality they had last season to beat us. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I made, I made a few notes from that game as well. Obviously not at the time because I'm not that sad. Uh, Darren Sarl did another excellent post-match interview. I don't know if you if you keep an eye on his interviews. He's brilliant at them. He's, he, you know, he had a bit of a, have a, bit of a whinge. Um, Danny Wright is very good at celebrating. If you notice that the second goal, you ever notice Danny Wright's celebrations? He does a lovely little pirouette, almost like a ballet dancer. It's perfectly routine. I guess that's what experience gets you. I think when you when you got a haircut like Danny Wright's, you can tell he goes always goes towards the camera to celebrate, doesn't he? To get yeah. that lovely blonde blonde hair with a bit, you know, get the camera light on it. He uh, he knows what he's doing. Oh no, he's he's very good at celebrating. Um, and the only downside from that game was that Little and Wright got injured. I mean, obviously that was the last time that we've seen Danny Wright which is I mean, it's quite surprising. It's been, what, five weeks now? 
um, both with hamstring injuries. Little has since come back, but Wright is um, is still struggling with it. Yeah, and that's been a massive loss because um, that was towards the end of the first half as well. So yeah, yeah, I think Little especially that's sort of the story of his career at Torquay so far, isn't it? I mean, he scored a great free kick, five minutes, beautiful free kick it was. Um, and then you think, right, here we go. He's, just, he's going to get up to top gear. We're going to start seeing five or six games where he starts running the show. And then he pulls up again. And you could see when he when he trundled off that he was absolutely gutted. And, well, he hasn't been out for very long. He, he, he is back. But it just, that injury still affected him because he hasn't been the same player since. And it's just disappointing because you know how good he can be. And... It would just be our luck to have a player as good as him and not see the best of him. Well, that's it, isn't it? And um, whenever you do see him go down, you just think, oh, no, not again. Because you can tell just by looking at him that as soon as he feels something, he doesn't want to risk it. After going through a couple of bad long-term injuries, you can just tell, I think it's just that psychological side of, no, not risking it, get me off, you know. And it's... I don't know if you can coach that out of players or if he's just, you know, one of those players that is always going to be plagued by injuries. But you really hope he's not because, like you say, he is such a good player. And when we've seen him at his best, he's unplayable. OK, so after the exit of, of that, two days later, we travelled to Weymouth. And I think at the start of the season, this was one of those fixtures where we were all looking forward to a good day out in Weymouth for the away fixture. And sadly, we couldn't do it this year. Um, but happily, we came away with three points. Uh, we were 2 new up and flying with goals from Asa Hall and Umira. Uh, they got a goal back for half-time. Uh, Nemei made it 3-1 before Weymouth got two more goals to get it back to 3-3. And then Evans nicks in in the last few minutes to get another late winner. And we ran away with a 4-3 victory. Yeah, I thought that... I th- it- Again, it was a bit of smash and grab. And I think the highlight for me was um, Connor Lemonet Evans uh, giving the um, giving the Weymouth fans behind the goal the sort of finger on the lips, shush. Uh, um, that was good. And that, that was another game that Jake Andrews came on and really impacted for me. Um, I thought he was very impressive when he came on. And another game that actually Josh Umera played really well. Obviously got 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 the, uh, it was the second goal that he got. So, um yeah, that, that was a good performance because some questions were asked defensively and uh, asked of Sean McDonald, but y- y- you're going to get that with Sean McDonald, aren't you? He's not, he's not the perfect keeper, but when he does have a kind of little, the odd howler, he more than makes up for it in uh, in other games. Yeah, I think that despite the scoreline, this is where we really started to get a little bit shaky. I think it, it was it was by no means at any point a sure thing that result. Um, it wasn't a particularly good performance. Yes, OK, we scored four goals, but we also let three in. And this is kind of when injury problems became properly evident, I think. You know, this is when the lineup really started, you know, um, suffering. So whilst I was happy with the result, I was coming away thinking, mm, OK, you know, we, we do need to pick up a bit here. And unfortunately, so far, we haven't. Well, I think watching that game, I, I sort of realised that when we play well, we are brilliant, genuinely brilliant. I mean, the quality of our goals shines through, but when we're bad, we can be really, really bad. And I think we've seen that in the last few weeks as well. Um, you know, 
some of those goals were completely avoidable and we made we made life hard for ourselves i think yeah yeah again i think the result kind of you know gets us away from that it kind of it, it protects the squad from a little bit of criticism that had that would have been leveled at them if it was if it was three all and i don't know if that affected the way that johnson looks at the match probably not because you know he's, he's very kind of objective but yeah I, I think you're right it was it was not a good performance and we only got away with it really because Weymouth were quite poor. But they're the games that win you promotion when you play badly and you still put four past the team whatever position they're in you know mm. the the performance wasn't perfect it you know we we know we're better than that and um you know maybe that's where some cracks started to appear but come the end of the season if we you know if we are to go up they are the games that that win you promotion like I say when you don't play well and you still win. Oh, absolutely. And I, I don't want it to sound like I'm being overly critical because I'm not. Um, I'm just kind of, well, you probably made the point better than I did, is that in the, the cracks started to appear around then, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, certainly don't disagree with that. Uh, another interesting thing from that game was um, Conor Evans scored our winning goal and he was actually playing up front at that point. Um, Joshua Miller was our only recognised centre forward. And he was substituted for Jake Andrews, and we had six midfielders on the pitch with Evans playing furthest forward to get us a winning goal. And that's something we did try later on in the season, and it 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 failed. So you can sort of see why why Johnson tried it against Altingham uh, on the back of that. But maybe uh, we've learned that's a last resort sort of tactic instead of something you start you, you try from the very beginning. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. mean, as as good as Lemon Havens is, and, and as as a complete of a player as he is, um, he's no replacement for an experienced forward. So, yeah, expecting to play up front on his own is is too much to ask him. I think obviously occasionally it will pay off because of his individual skill and talent, but that is not his specialty. So we we can't expect him to be a solution to our forward problems. No, and also even if he was to play up front, you know, even if he was a recognised striker. He he's a completely different player to Danny Wright. You know, you build your team around your striker. If you've got a goal scorer up front, you know, we've done it, we, we did it with Jamie Reid for about two and a half years. Um, so with Danny Wright, you build your team around him to accommodate, play in a way that accommodates his uh, his his best attributes. Connor Lemonhay Evans is a completely different player. That's why, you know, Umer is the kind of obvious replacement for him because he he fits the bill a bit a bit better than uh, it, he's a similar type of player to write in, in in that respect okay and then the first match of 2021 was saturday the 2nd of january and we found ourselves at hewish park for the return game against yeovil i think we we're all quite confident after six past them on boxing day and it all looked good when aaron amain scored his third goal uh, in three games just after half time. But sadly, Yeovil snatched the game with two late goals to uh, complete a 2 1 victory. Yeah, and it, it's funny, I said this, uh, I've said this a couple of times recently. That game against Yeovil, you know, as, as confident as we all were, if you're a side that's been beaten 6 1 and then you a week later you get you're offered the chance to put that right, you're gonna do that, aren't you? So there was no way it was ever even if we were to win, that it would be that kind of same comprehensive win. Um but you know, it's it was disappointing and it was very disappointing to lose it late on in the manner that we did. 
yeah, we, we failed to manage the game. Um, Yeovil displayed some character that we haven't seen from them this season at all, but we did see last season. And and suddenly for that the second half of that second half, they were a very good side and they really punished us because we failed to see the game out. And it's kind of, it's usually the mark of an inexperienced side, but obviously we're not that this season. So it was a little bit deja vu-ish for us. Um, and it, it was frustrating because we, we threw it away. I'm not sure whether we were caught between trying to hang on to the one goal lead or trying to find a second, because as I remember it, we didn't really create a clear cut chance or any chance at all to make it 2 0 or make the game safe. So as long as the game's at 1 0, you've always got a chance of conceding a late goal or, in our case, two late goals. Yeah, that's the thing. 1 0 is a horrible scoreline because teams know once you get that goal, you've then got all the momentum and it, it completely changes the game. So, yeah, disappointing in that respect. And, and it, 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 one of the things I remember from that game, it was another game that, that he'd switched the goalkeepers around without any kind of real kind of obvious reason. So Kovland was in and you have to say he was at fault for the goals, really, or, or certainly could have done a lot better. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's one of those... Um... Uh, situations where you where you say would McDonald have dealt with it differently? He, he may have done, but would McDonald have made a, a, a mistake which Cobland hadn't made? Uh, another point, you, you don't know how we have a goalkeeper was going to play in that situation, but the stark fact is that there was a bouncing ball uh, in the area which Cobland uh, failed to deal with, and then the second one, he's ended up in the back of the net because he didn't get didn't lay a glove on the corner either. So you can put a finger there, but I think as a team. We invited that pressure on and didn't didn't see the game out as as a team. That's, that's what, I mean, I, I'm always quite loath to to blame the goalkeepers unless they've had an absolute howler and let through their legs from thirty yards or something. I think you know the defence as a unit has to do better than that. And I think you know really we should have seen that game out. That, that, that that's my gut feeling to that. Yeah, yeah, completely I agree. agree. Uh, so then we had a few weeks off. Um, due to uh, the FA Cup, I think, and a couple of postponements due to COVID and weather. And we ended up finally getting a game on January 19th in the FA Trophy against Borum Wood. And I think actually, again, it it was a a good game for players to get minutes under their belts after two weeks without a game. And in the end, we we ran out quite comfortable 4-0 winners with goals from Asa Hall and then three in the last 10 minutes from Billy Waters, Adam Randall and Conor Lemonhavens. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I, I haven't actually watched any of the trophy games this season, um, but obviously keeping up to date with it on Twitter. It was um, it was a good time to have a trophy game, like you say. I think it, you could. They, it was almost a little bit like a mid-season friendly after a couple of weeks off before league games. Um, and I've said it before, Boreham Wood are a very good side. They're, they're a difficult side to go, to beat, um, usually, because they, they've got some big players there. Um, but, but 4-0, at the time, you thought, well, that would do no harm for anyone's confidence, especially going into, you know, what what's quite a tough run of league fixtures after that. Yeah, it, it was a good game. And as as we've said before in this podcast, that, you know, Boreham Wood are a good side. They've got a, a very individually talented squad and, and a good manager. And But apart from anything, they're a weird side, completely unpredictable. If, if you're a, a non-league betting fan, I would never put any money on Boreham Wood. 
either way. They they sometimes look the best team in the league and they, they can beat anyone, but sometimes they completely falter. And they did that in the past 10 minutes. In, in the last 10 minutes of that game, obviously, they let in three goals and three fairly simple, easy goals as well. Um, yeah, I think we, we, we made them collapse so we could move on in the trophy as much as we all wanted to. So that brings us up to date with uh, our review of the season, uh, because at this point, talky, talking talky, I should say, uh, uh, started out as a podcast. So the next five league matches, Notts County, Sutton, Barnet, Olchingham and Wildstone, we have covered uh, throughout the podcast so far. Uh, so we won't go into those in any sort of detail, but from those five games, we've only accrued six points. Uh, and there's quite a lot of noise on various social media about how we've lost our form and we're going for a bit of a blip. So looking back at those five games, what do we reckon? How, how do you think we are at this precise moment in time? Oh, look, we, we're not in a great position after the last few games, like you say, but, you know, I think what people have got to remember is we, we're a very depleted squad. We've got very few fit players. Um and we've also come through a run of not all of them, but when you've, for me, the big thing was not losing to uh, Notts County, which I do believe that last season we would have done, uh, especially away from home. Um, you know, we didn't lose to them. We sh- could, you know, any other day I'd have rather just beat Sutton, obviously, but with 10 men, you know, a point against Sutton isn't, it is better for us than it was them. And what people have got to remember, we're still, what, nine or ten points clear. Sutton will not win every game in hand they've got. It doesn't work like that. Um, you know, we've, we've just had a week off. And once we've got a couple of players back, we're back to a good side again. And you name me one team in any season ever that's never had a slight blip. You know, even the, the Arsenal of Inspirals went on like a four-game drawing run. So... I'd rather have a blip now and get over it rather than do it later on in the season. Yeah, I think across the spectrum of fans, we've you can see optimistic and pessimistic points of view. Um, I think a, a balanced point of view would be we are in a good position, but we're not in as good a position as we were a month ago. So suddenly now, mathematically, we can be caught by Knox County and I think Stockport, I might be wrong, don't quote me. So, you know, we, we, we are in a weaker position, but we're still in a very good position. But we need to sort these injuries out. We've got 11 first-team players now out um, from short-term to long-term, which is it's extraordinary. And, and not many clubs at this level could sustain that level of injury. And, it, and it's kind of testament to the club and to Gary for being able to put a team out that's able to compete with, with 11 injuries. That's insane. So if you look at the injured players we've got, I was just going to say those 11 players, they'd arguably be that team would actually probably be top of the league, couldn't they? Um, yeah, exactly. So, so the fact that we're going out and being able to compete uh, alone is, is, is amazing. But this injury crisis, the second one in two seasons, could not have come at a worse time. Mm. And it really, really needs to be curtailed and, and sorted for good. I don't know what the solution is, but um, it's, it's, not, it's not good enough. It could well be coincidence, but it's now two seasons in a row. I think there's a fair bit of uh, revisionism for me because, as, as Drew have said, um, the points against Notts County and Sutton were very good points. Um, you know, they're not, to me, they weren't dropped points. They, they were points. 
um, or at the very least not allowing your opponents to, to, to gain ground on you. So I, for me, arguably, they shouldn't be open to any calculation when you're talking about dropping points um, throughout the season. I think, I think they're fair enough. Barnet got the three points. Ultrium, we didn't play very well. And against Wildstone, we had half the team out and managed to get last minute equaliser. So if you win the next couple of games, just even if they're just tight affairs, then then you you you, you know, you're back to the status quo, essentially. Yeah, uh, and I think I think we're at a kind of a pivot point now of, of the season. Like you say, I mean I completely agree, Notts County and Stubble, they were they were very important results and they were good results. Um we've got an okay run coming up now. Um, obviously, we're talking to you before the Hartlepool game. Um, we've got Maiden uh, after it's okay. As after Boring, we've got Maidenhead, Kingsland, Solihull, Dagenham, Redbridge, Woking. Which I mean, that's an okay run. So if we put together two or three wins out of the next, say, four or five games, then suddenly we pulled away again, and suddenly it's it's all aboard. So it's I think it's we need to take a bit of a balanced point of view at the minute. We are at a pivot point. If we continue on this run of form, then it's going to be a bit of a hairy end to the season. We could still do it, but it's going to be a bit hairy. If we pick up the form that we were ha- that we had pre-Christmas, it's going to be quite a comfortable league win for us. You just need one solid win. You know, we've got Halifax on Saturday. If we, you know, especially in front of the BT cameras where you've got even more fans watching, you know, if we beat them two or three nil or something, all of a sudden you're going, hang on a minute, we, you know, we look really good, and like say it all aboard. Um, but for me, it really depends on if what players we can put out. You know, if I think the two big ones at the moment, obviously Danny Wright's at least sort of three or four weeks away, you'd imagine, um, if not longer. But the two big ones for me is if we can start Ben Winter and Dean Moxie at fullback. You've then got, you know, I, I'd still actually start um, sharing next to uh, next to Cameron. But once you've got a solid defence again, the rest will take care of itself. You know, we've got goals littered throughout this team. Um, obviously, Ben Whitfield and Aaron Domain, assuming Aaron Domain is back fit. I'm not sure what his injury is like. You don't actually need whoever we've got playing up front. We don't actually need them to be the goal scorer. It's almost just kind of doing that anchor job up front of just feed, letting players feed off you. Um, but I think once we've got a bit more of a defence back, I've got no doubts at all. Mm. I think the problem this season and only this season is that we don't know when the season's going to end. Um, in any other season, I wouldn't care what position in the league we are, apart from where we are after the last game of the season, where obviously you want to be top. So it wouldn't bother me if we were uh, second or third with two games to go with a chance of getting to top as long as we're top uh, after the last game of the season. But but this season, we're now getting to the point where we're looking at points per game and the season could be finished now, could be finished in five games time. So every single game is crucial and we are watching our lead over teams on points per game getting smaller and smaller every single game, which is why it's so important that our form does pick up ASAP. I'm not concerned, but at the same time, you know, there are three or four teams now starting to find some serious form and put some pressure on. And as as Sam said, they're not all going to win all their games in hand, so that's not to worry about. But with so much uncertainty, it's just just make sure you're top with as many points as possibly can after every single game of the season, I think. Yeah, and and the uncertainty that you touch on, we're 
um, re the the National League funding. I've I've been keeping an eye on it. It does seem to be leveling out now, so that the I'm fairly confident this season will finish when it's supposed to finish. We may lose a couple of teams. I mean, Dover uh, have recently announced that they're they're not going to be fulfilling any more fixtures until the funding has been sorted out. Just so I was at their second bottom from the, the bottom, but yeah, that's okay. Mm. Um, it's it, it will finish. I, I don't know what the exact funding situation is going to be, but it looks as if National League clubs have voted to continue and finish the season. National League South and National League North are probably going to vote to null and void it. So there may not even be any relegation from the National League, but I think that the National League will continue. But as you say, it is very important to keep an eye on that on that point for game table as well, just in case. I agree with you when you say about it, because I think what's interesting is obviously Dover have said that, I, I, that the chairman was on TalkSport yesterday saying that, you know, if they carried on for an extra week, they would have had to go and insolve, which is a shame because I think we'd have all, you know, had a little chuckle if they'd have uh, fucked off, to be honest. Um, but it's interesting. I think they've obviously had a look at it and they would have the your Dovers and your Wheelstones. So I think they said they want the season to end um, and Kings Lynn. They've obviously had a look and thought, well, look, the likelihood is that the North, the North and South leagues will be none and voided. So we're not going to get relegated. So why pay out any more money? The fortunate thing about the rest of the table um, in terms of this, I mean, it makes it a little bit squeaky, on the, on the pitch, but it's so close from the playoffs all the way down towards the bottom end of the table that any team, all you've got to do is get a get a bit of a run together, and and you all of a sudden you're you're in in for a good playoff shout. So I think we're fortunate in that respect that most teams want to carry on. Um, and a few have actually kind of come out in their statements and saying, for the kind of honesty and integrity of it we decided to start a season, we will finish it. You know, they all, all these clubs were, they all voted at the start of the season whether they wanted to play the season or not. Okay, there might have been a bit of an issue with, uh, in terms of how funding was going to work, but I, I, I'm of the mindset that if you chose to play it, you should, you know, you should, you should see the season through. It's a bit of an extraordinary uh, situation there between the government and the National League because the government is saying that they never promised grants and the National League is saying that the government did promise grants. So one of them is lying and it's going to be interesting to find out which one it is. Um, but the situation is quite clear that we we would not be getting grants. And I can understand, especially National League South and National League North clubs going, well, no, thank you. Because if you're running at a loss, then, you know, it, it puts the club's very existence at, at at stake and I think that if you ask many of your fans you know say okay could we carry on the season it's probably not gonna have any consequence because there's no relegation anyway talking about Dover and Kings Lynn here um would you mind if we stopped I think the fans would probably say no that's all right you stop so I, I can see both sides but yeah I mean there is some argument of integrity there you know you start the season you need to finish it well, for the time being, it is business as usual. And on Saturday, we are at home to Halifax. It's a 5.20 kickoff because BT Sport are in town. Halifax are currently 13th place in the league. They've played 20, won 7, drawn 6, lost 7, have 27 points. Uh, they've scored 32 and conceded 25. So they're not scoring or conceding many. Uh they are playing tonight away to Barnet in a hastily rearranged fixture, um, but they haven't played since January 30th when they lost 3-2 to Maidenhead. So they've had a long break. 
then a long trip down to Barnet, and then a long trip down to us on Saturday. Yeah, Halifax is an odd one because when we played them earlier in the season, they weren't on a great run, but they did. They played all right against us. I thought they weren't an easy team to uh, didn't look like an easy team to beat. But at home to them, I, I always think a we're home to them, we should win. But players always seem to get up for the TV games a little bit more for some reason. Maybe maybe they do. Maybe they. I I've always thought they do. And I think it's a really, I said it earlier, it's a really good opportunity with, because every, you know, a lot of other National League fans be watching that one. And it's a good opportunity to really have a bit of a statement win. Um, but, you know, to, to repeat myself again, a lot of it hinges on what, what team we can put out. Yeah, it's weird. From those stats, are they the most average team in the league then at the minute? That is pretty much middle for diddle in every single stat, yeah. They must be. Um, I mean, they're, again, they 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 blow hot and cold. They've got a, a manager in Pete Wilde who was a good manager. He's been around non-league for a while. Their pitch is awful. Um, I'm just trying to look through their results to see if there's any kind of pattern, but there, there just isn't really, is there? It's 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 win draw loss, win draw loss. So I think that, that depending on injuries coming back, I think we've got more than enough to beat them, and I I would hope that we do. And this this could be the start of a of a good run for us. Can I say at the time of recording, um, they're they're an hour into the game. They're actually losing two one to Barnet. So uh, you know if it stays that way and we don't beat them, then you know for all I care, you can null and void the season. Sam is work experience at Sky Sports next week. <laughs> yeah, bring that sort of charisma to the screen. I think so. Yeah, no, it's. Um... Going to add, add add a bit to the uh, to the team they've got, but um, we've had a ten day break. So you, you'd like to think even those players um, who are fit will, will have appreciated the, um, the time off, and you know any muscle injuries should hopefully have relaxed by then. So if we get, if I'm off the thought, if we get one or two players back in key positions, then we've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sam touched on uh, Ben Winter is probably the most important player to return at the minute, just for formation's sake. I mean, obviously, he's a fantastic player, don't get me wrong, but the, the formation problems that that solves by him coming back, mm. you know, we, sort of, we no longer have to sacrifice a midfielder to go at right back, for example. Um, it, that'll be a huge boost. And any, anyone else that comes in on top of that is, is a bonus. And if I was to put you in Gary Johnson's shoes for the evening, um, who would you play up front? What would be your your team's selection? It's a really difficult one. It's a really difficult one because for me, you, the best formation we play is that kind of 4-2-3-1 lone striker. But I don't think we've got a striker that plays that role well enough. I think Yumeira and Waters actually work quite well together. And Waters has, you know, he's scored in back-to-back games now. So... To be honest, I'd I'd probably it, again it depends he's fit. If um if Nemain's out, I'd go four four two and put Waters and uh Imera up top. I would think that I'm I'm still kind of leaning to the side of we should give Street a bit more time in that we know and that's not you know that that's that's not any negative feelings towards Imera, but Street has a lot of ability, has a lot of talent. He struggled to adapt to the men's game. I mean, that this is his first 
you know, pro season in, in men's football. Um, I, I think that he was judged too quickly. Yes, he has been fairly ineffectual so far, but I think if you give him a couple of runs in 90 minutes alongside someone like Billy Waters, who's, who's been around for a few years, um, I would go 4-4-2 with Waters and Street with Umera to bring on if it doesn't work. I'll go for a clean sweep and I'd go 4-5-1 with Umira up front. I think he's our best striker and I think he just needs a goal and I think he'll be okay. That, that's my gut feeling. And I think... Gosh, regarding Rob Street, it's it's a really odd one because people say he's he's brilliant and he probably will be a very good player. But do you remember the season where we got relegated under Chris Hargreaves? We had so many players come on loan. Aidan O'Brien, Connor Wilkinson, Paul McCallum. They were all dreadful for us, but have all gone on to have very good careers. Sometimes it's like a year or, two, or a couple of seasons too early for them to be involved in a team at that stage. Now, I, I don't think we've seen enough of, of uh, Rob Street to kind of make that judgment yet, but I'm interested to see what, you know, if he's going to be one of those players, you know, is, is he going to be a Connor Wilkinson and, and just not do it with us? Or is he going to be like Psycho Jane and, and, and be fantastic? If he gets a goal, that could be it. He's up, he's up and running, but it, it does all hinge on the, I think if, if he's going to be a success for us, he needs a goal ASAP, really. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you just you reiterate, reiterate my point in that he, he may be. You know, he, this this may be a season too early for him, but I don't think it's fair to make that decision yet. I think it it would be good to give him just a couple more games, see if it's going to work. If it isn't going to work, then fine. Look at Umera, um, and then and then go from there. Yeah, I'm not writing Rob Street off at all. I I just think that I've seen enough from Umera to just give him the shirt for a, a couple of games and just mm-hmm. back him because we haven't really given him the best conditions. Uh, he's still probably paying from that miss at Notts County. I know a lot of fans are probably still holding that against him. So it, for me, it'd be nice to see him just, just put one in the back of the net early doors and I think he'd be away because throughout the season, he's got some nice goals for us. I, I, I just think it's just not quite worked for him. And, he, and even aside from the goals, he plays a very useful position up there. You know, he, he, he pulls defenders out, it keeps them busy. And it's like uh, Sam was saying earlier in the podcast that, for my opinion, the kind of the, the attacking midfield, you need someone up front just as like a focal point, just to keep the defenders concentrated in the middle so that your wingers can get around them and do the work. So, you know, he, he does that very well. And as a defender, it must, it, if you're playing a big guy like him, it, it must be knackering for 90 minutes to play against someone like Humera. You know, it, it's, it's got to be physically challenging. So he, he does bring a lot of good to the side as well as the goals. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that we should sacrifice him in order to give Street a chance, but I, I would just like to see Street given more of a shot. Yeah, no, it's, I, I agree with the Umera stuff because he, he does a lot of work that will never be appreciated by fans. Um, and also it's a bit like Danny Wright didn't score for a couple of games, but he still did an important job and people wrote him off very quickly without kind of looking at what, what else he does. And it, it's the type of fan that still thinks that Emil Heskey was a crap football player when it's like, well, actually, no, he didn't score loads of goals. But if it wasn't for him, Michael Owen wouldn't have scored loads of goals. So you just need a player to play that kind of role, I think. Speaking as a true West Ham fan. <laughs> Uh, one last point uh, on Saturday. Uh, we saw Olaf Kazela 
had a very lively appearance against Wilstone in our last match. So uh, how would you use him uh, on Saturday, if at all? I wouldn't. i put him on the bench, have him as an impact sub if needs be. He's clearly quick and strong. You know, bring him off the bench, put him on the right-hand side or, or up top if we're chasing the game. But I'm not starting Olaf yet. I wasn't suggesting starting him. I just mean, you know, what, what has he played his way into your into your thoughts more than he had two weeks ago sort of thing? Oh, yeah. No, sorry. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it, I like the idea of him being on the bench. Like I say, because he, he came on and he was very impressive. And it seems that since the last time we've seen him play for us, he's built himself up a bit. He's he's filled out. Um and he he's that strong, quick player, and that actually does suit playing on the wing a bit more, or is a kind of right hand striker, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly have him around in and around the first team now, um, and it's it's nice to see him. You know, if we, we've been crying out for a decent youth academy prospect since uh, well for years. You know, we all thought Ashley Amon would be it. Unfortunately, not. Um, Sort of not sure what Saul Halpin's up to at the moment, but you know we've hardly kind of had a, a um, hard, hardly had loads of academy graduates over the last kind of ten years. Well, we haven't had an academy. Um, yeah, I think I thought he was great against Altrincham. You know, right winger is, is not his natural position. I it, it could well be. Obviously, it seemed like he was just kind of put there to fill a hole almost. But like you say, he could suit a winger role. And that, that could be a conversation that, that Johnson has with him at some point. Um, I think he's a great prospect and, and he's obviously matured from from playing some football in the National League South. Did he go to Bath or was that somewhere else? Where did he go? He Dorchester. went Dorchester. Dorchester, OK. Um, he actually played on the wing for the youth side for the Torquay Academy thing. Yeah, he'd, he'd played right, a few okay. times on the wing for them. So it's not unknown to him. Um, yeah, I'll keep him around. You know, impact sub last 20 minutes, bit of energy, bit of pace. Um, and we know that he's got a hell of a shot on him as well. And his crossing um, against Altrigan was, was was fantastic. You know, he, he put in some brilliant crosses. So, yeah, absolutely keep him around and, and give him a shot. Right, so that's Saturday and that's 5.30 kickoff or maybe 5.20. It's certainly not three o'clock. So that's a late kickoff because it's on BT Sport. Uh, that's about it from us. Uh, look out for episode seven and that should review... Uh, the Halifax match, amongst other things. So my thank you to Marcus and Sam. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we will look forward to speaking to you again soon. Cheers. Thank you very much.